Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of For Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Lackey, and um, as you can tell, no co-host today. Recording a quick little thing in the middle of the day here. We got Hunter Hodes from Locked On Penguins uh, joining me today. Hunter, how we doing, man? Doing good, man. It's October shirts tomorrow. Hockey's coming, and uh, I'll be buying my ESPN Plus subscription any day now after what that report came out today. Yeah, actually, what's crazy is... ESPN Plus is the only streaming service that I don't pay for. I pay for everything else in my family, but it's in like my parents' cable subscription. So I'm really looking forward to using that. So, um, pays for Hulu. My parents pay for Disney Plus for the entire family. So I'll stick my neck out and pay for ESPN Plus 60 bucks for a year. I don't care. Yeah, you have to. And honestly, man, um, the craziest thing was like even before they got the licensing agreement, some of the games they had on ESPN Plus years prior were really good. Yeah, you know, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited to have like hockey in my fingertips, like nonstop. But um, anyways, double recording this week because I feel like we didn't really touch a whole lot of substance on the Penguins, um, in our last recording, but um. Big thing I wanted to ask you, Hunter, to start was what are your thoughts on the first preseason game and who really surprised you that you weren't expecting to make a big impact in that game? You know, I never really care about preseason results. You know, you're playing among mostly AHL and prospects in your game. I mean, you get shut out. Who cares, right? But I like the effort level. They were out shooting Columbus, I think, 12-2, 13-2 by the end of the first period. J.F. Barube, he was – been around, I think the Flyers had him, the Islanders had him. Mm-hmm. I want to say Colorado has had him too, but I'm not yeah. really, I think he was there. He's been bouncing around the way. He made some really nice saves with Blue Jackets. I thought Cam Lee looked really good. He had about six shot, shots on goal. Seemed really crafty with the puck, was you know, creating his own shooting leans, which I know I haven't really seen him do before. He's probably going to start the season in Wilkesbury, though he was a player that before camp I had the thought of maybe he could uh, squeeze out a roster spot. But as of right now, with what the defense is looking like, and, you know, you separated the two groups with 48 players remaining on the roster, it's looking like he's probably going to be one of the last few cuts that this team will make. But um, I liked him. I, I liked Nathan Legary. Um, his speed really jumped out at me, I thought, in that game. That was one knock on him, I think, coming out, was that he wasn't that fast. He always had that nice release, had decent playmaking ability, but his release was the biggest thing everyone talked about but it seems like he's gotten much more smoother and more crisp as a skater and he was using that to his advantage um i thought i thought poj looked great um i don't really know what's going to happen with him he might have to start the season in wilkesbury due to just the roadblock on defense with matheson Pedersen, and dumlin all blocking him right now you know everyone can thank jim rutherford for acquiring mike matheson to just block poj down in the minors because you know he deserves i think to play to start this season. Um, Brian Dumoulin said as such in training camp, they want him to play. Chris Letang has said as such, I think as well, that he's really impressed him because they were skating in the summer with his brother, Matthew. I think a couple other players, I think Jonathan Huberdeau was also skating with them as well, but you know, he looked really good and he's ready to me. Um, I think he'll come up at some point. Uh, I was hoping that maybe they could do something with, you know, like how John Marino burst onto the scene. They traded away Eric Goodranson. Could they do the same with Mike Matheson? 
not really sure. You know, remember LaRon Hextall really has no loyalty to this player, so he could really just do what he wants, I guess. Um, let me see. I thought Poulin looked good in the first period. Kasperi Kapman was really just, you know, I mean, he was going mainly going against AHL prospects, but he was knifing through guys left and right, skating circles around them. Um, obviously the best player on the ice. You know, Mike Sullivan's statement about him after the game was really telling. He thinks he can be an elite player in this league. I want to see if his underlying numbers get better this year. And it's not just his very high shooting percentage because he shot around 16% last year. I think that was the main reason why he was so good. I mean, hopefully that doesn't regress and that his numbers go up with, I mean, underlying wise. Uh, but those were the players I thought really jumped out at me um, in that game, at least. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought Kapanen up because I was reading those quotes from Mike Sullivan. Um yesterday and i'm sitting there reading it and i i can't help but think to myself that he's trying to turn kasperi kapanen into like that phil kessel type player because you you see it like whenever you watch um like just watch like a package of like kasperi kapanen goals a lot of them are coming down the wing off the rush just like how kessel would score during the um during his time here in pittsburgh you know I mean, he has that shooting ability. He has that talent. It's just trying to make him into the full package. And I think that with Sullivan saying, like, sometimes it's like, I got to lay into the guy, give him some tough love, but he gets it. He knows how much we believe in him and how the fact, and like, he, he literally said this word for word. He's like, he's doing everything in his power to turn him into an elite player. No, I mean, it's it, it's not a statement I expected to read after the game. That's for sure. You know, I definitely could see, you know, a little Phil Kessel role, but, you know, that's the thing. You know, Do they want to put him on his own line like they kind of did with Kessel in the 2016 run? I'm not sure just because him and Gino have really good chemistry, but, you know, Phil and Gino also did for a brief time before. They would always have their little differences on the bench and stuff. But um, we'll have to see if he can really – put it all together to see this year because Kessel, he had that 90 point season in Pittsburgh that one year. And he was, I think a 60, 70 point player. Some of his other years, point per game player in the playoffs. I don't know if Kaplan has that in him. Um, Maybe he can get close, but I just, it's a lot to ask. I think of him right now to be like that kind of player. But then again, with where this team's at right now, if he's even just a 45 to 50 point player, were like that's gonna do wonders for this team yeah you know and i think that he's a guy as much as I, as much as people like him with malkin i love the idea of him having his own third line with jeff carter you know i think that he played really well with carter down the stretch at times you know that third wheel um for them was either jason zucker or jared mccann and you know Try Zucker there. I, I imagine that's going to be like your second line with Malkin out is Zucker, Carter, and Kapanen. So like if they're develop, if they have such a chemistry developed once everybody gets healthy and Malkin's ready to come back, just keep that line together because you know I see no reason that Malkin couldn't play with like Dan Heinen or Brock McGinn or whoever it may be at the time. You know he might even be playing with Brian Russ. Who knows? You know. So 
that's something I'd really like them to explore is giving Cappy his own line because if this team were to make the playoffs, that's probably their best chance at having like maximized scoring depth, in my opinion. Yeah, Carter Kappen and Zucker line would be kind of fun, you know, especially if they do something with Gensel, Crosby, Rust, and then Malkin with maybe Heinen and whoever else they want to throw um, on his right wing. You know, I know they seem to be intrigued by the Brock McGinn line with uh, Teddy Bluger and Zach Ashmeese when healthy. I think they want to recreate the Ashmeese-Bluger-Tanev line just because they see McGinn as the defensive equivalent to Tanev. And they're hoping that he can provide more of an offensive punch um, than Tanev. I mean, McGinn outscored him last year. The, the underlying numbers with both of them offensively, it's pretty neck and neck. Um, actually, when it comes to percentile stuff, I think Tanev actually finished higher in the expected goals percentile last year, though he just didn't get rewarded enough as much as McGinn did. So I think that's what they're looking at right now. Um it makes the team deeper, but then, you know, you could always go out and get another forward at the deadline if they choose to, if Ron Hextall wants to kind of reward the team, like he said he did um, last year when he went out and got Carter. He basically said the team was playing so well, we wanted to reward them with a player that we think could get them to another Stanley Cup. So um, I could definitely see that happening too if if they want to go out and get another top nine winger like they, or top nine forward like they did last year. Yeah, and I'll even say this. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If he starts, if he goes down to the AHL and tears it up, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that around deadline time, Nathan Legare is up in the NHL, you know, playing some sort of a prominent top nine role. That makes a lot of sense too. I mean, if he's he's using his speed and he's scoring a bunch of goals at will, you know, he he can probably be one of the first call-ups um, around the trade deadline or, you know, when the team inevitably hits an injury spell, which they do every single year, it's the Penguins for God's sake. Um, he'll be definitely, I think, one of the first players to be called up. Yeah. And we were talking about this whenever we were recording last night. Um, you know, it looks like they're very close to getting another wave of talent up from Wilkes-Barre, similar to what they had in the 2015-16 season that helped them, like, spark plug that cup run you know because drew o'connor i think if he's able to go down to the ahl and just play down there and get consistent reps i think that he can get back to where where he was um before he left dartmouth um obviously he came into the into the uh into professional hockey in a very unique situation with covid and everything and being on the taxi squad and i feel like that he really hasn't had a lot of time to like truly develop you know and i mean cam lee will riley on defense those are two guys that could come up and be contributors you have poj knocking on the door and then you have you still have legare and Pullen who you know, maybe not this year, but next year, definitely probably going to be their time to compete for an NHL roster spot. I mean, it's, I think you have a point there. You know, we definitely, I think are close to the next wave of talent. You know, you have Cam Lee down there who, like I said, he's going to be a call-up. I think at some point you said POJ, Laguerre, some uh, Poulin, I think Jordy Bellary, um, he's a dark horse candidate. He's been, doing pretty well, I think, throughout his career in Wilkes-Barre. Josh Menescalo, um, he was signed, I think, by Rutherford out of college. 
to an, I think mm-hmm. he was an undrafted agent out of college. So um, he's going to continue to get work down there. Um, Justin Almeida just got reassigned. So there's definitely some good talent down there. It's just a matter of, you know, just how good are they? You know, you, you brought up Drew O'Connor. That makes a lot of sense. He probably didn't look NHL ready last year just because he didn't have as much development. They put him down to Wilkesbury. He played all right. Um, but I feel like if you're putting him on the team this year, that's not really doing him any good just because he's not, he's not going to play on an every night basis. I think he would just be yeah. on the bench almost every game. So I feel like you might see him start in Wilkesbury just to help his development along. And then he'll also be, I think, one of the first call-ups when the team inevitably hits Andrew Spell. I didn't really like his game a lot last year. I thought he was always a bit slow um, to the puck. I didn't like his just his play on the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. Even defensively, he didn't seem that good. But, you know, it was also a 56-game season. So how much can you really draw from that? I feel like he wasn't in the lineup every night. He was also – playing six, seven minutes, and sometimes even less than that, just because Mike Sullivan would always shorten the bench when the team was down. So um, it's good that he's practicing in the top group right now. Um, if he's cut, though, you know, I, th- I think he will be. It'll probably be the last possible cut yeah. um, to get down to tw- the 23-man roster. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I think a big thing that O'Connor might need to work on is just learning on using his size, you know, like – He's 6'3". He's a big dude. He has that reach. He needs to just be able to use that, maybe create like a little niche for him as like a defensive forward, you know, because he's probably not going to be a top six forward. Uh, We know that. I think he's more suited as like a bottom six depth winger. Um, And I think, you know, that's something he's going to have to address to similar to what Zach Aston Reese had to do because, you know, just like Aston Reese, when he was signed out of college, people thought that he was going to be this big, talented guy that had all, all this scoring prowess. And now it's like he needs to just transform his game a little bit at the professional level. Yeah, I, I think that's really the big thing for him is just getting more acquainted to the NHL level. We'll see how he does in these preseason games. You know, maybe I'll eat some crow and he looks NHL ready and it makes it a harder decision for the Penguins. But and as of right now, I think he'll probably start the season Wilkes-Barre. And that's, you know, that's good for a young player because he can continue to get reps. You know, I would say the same thing about POJ. I wouldn't want him up here if he's just going to be sitting in the press box every night while a, a defenseman with five more years left on his contract is taking a spot. He's not really learning anything. You want a young player like that to get as many reps as they can. And then, you know, if they make a trade or something or Mike, say Mike Matheson or one of the other defensemen, God forbid, gets hurt, then you can bring him up and play him um, as many minutes as you want and see if he is actually ready um, in that instance. You know, I'll never believe in bringing up a young player just for the sake of it and then just having them ride the bench. I just – I don't like that at all. Um, I do think, you know, some people have hated Dom Simone for a while. He's going to be on the team. I mean, he looks good in training camp, seems to look good in the preseason. He's always been a good playmaker. I know he drives a lot of people crazy with not scoring and hitting the post every time he makes a shot or shoots the puck, excuse me. But um, he's definitely going to be on this team in some form. The coaching staff has always liked him. Sid has always liked playing with him. You know, he's never said a bad word about him while he's been on his line. So I think people are going to have to get used to that um, when – they start seeing the cuts and all that, because I do think he will be 
uh, in this on this team and potentially in the top 12 when the season begins. Yeah, the truth is whenever the team's fully healthy, I want Dom Simone in that fourth line spot um, just because of the defensive zone impact. And, you know, I think it would make that line a little bit more offensive. I think, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm so far into the uh, Danton Heinen hype train that I think that he's going to play with Sid to start the year. And if that works, I think you'll, you'll see Dom down with Blue and Aston Reese. Um, I think that that makes sense just simply because you still have an impact player in your lineup in Dom Simone. And I think it bridges the PR gap of having him in the lineup between the fans and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you're, you're hunting that. I don't know if he's going to be on the line to start with Sid, um, but say if, you know, one of the other two winger struggles, which I mean, Jake Gensel and Brian Russ don't really struggle that often, but say they want to move Russ down to Gino's line and move Heinen up. Um, that, that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to see how he does, but you know, it looks like that they're pairing Heinen in a top six right now to give him a look. Obviously they kind of have no choice just because the two headed monster they're out for the start of the season, you know, so it's only going to be out for a week, but um, I am also very high on the Danton Heinen train. I have him scoring around 40 to 45 to potentially 50 points this year um, and being one of the seals of the off season. So um, I, I would be all for that to be, to be honest, you know, maybe they even do a line of Heinen Crosby Zucker to really go full chaos there. That would be kind of funny that you can go Gensel Malk and Russ when the team is healthy. I don't know how fans would feel about that. It would be something different, but it would be kind of funny to do. Um, to see how Sid would enjoy playing with those two players. The truth is, and now, you know, I've talked about this with other people. They'll never do it, but I think that the top line needs to be Gensel, Crosby, and Zucker. Well, Danny would agree with you. I know. I just, you know, and I think the big thing is, it's like, it's not even just to help Sid out. It's just to activate Jake more. You know, Zucker can take that net front role and Jake can just shoot with anyone. He has good underlying numbers with Gino. He's great with Sid. Um, I don't really care where you put him. One of those two yeah. lines is good with me. Yeah, I want I want Gensel, Malk, and Russ back in the worst way. Um, you know, Zucker can play with Sid. We know that. And then, you know, it could be Danton Heinen. It could be Dom Simone. It could be Kapanen. Anybody you want to throw up there at that third wheel spot on the right wing, just do it because, you know, this this team's unique in the sense of they look way better. In my opinion, they look better on paper this year than they did last year, simply because a lot of the guys they have are more versatile in terms of being able to play up in the lineup and whatnot. I mean, I don't know if they're as deep. It's it's tough to say just because, I mean, you look at them not healthy right now and they're obviously not as deep, but, you know, you take away – what they lost versus what they gained. I, I would say that last year's team honestly is a bit deeper just because of Jared McCann and mm-hmm. Brandon Tanev, especially McCann. I mean, if he lights up a 50 point season with Seattle, I'm going to be mad online. I'm going to be yeah. pretty mad online that they made that trade just because they should not have done it in the first place. And he looked really good um, in, the, in the preseason debut for Seattle. Um, but I think right now it, they're close to as deep. 
But if they're able to get another forward, as I said, probably about 10, 15 minutes ago, then they will be as deep. I, I like them again signing. He's going to be really good. That's how you replace someone like Brandon Tanev. You know, you probably weren't going to do that with a Wilkesbury call up. That's fine. But how you replace in Jared McCann, that's the other big story. I think they're banking on Dan Heinen doing that. I mean, if he can give you a 45 to 50 point season, there's your replacement right there. I mean, yeah. he did it in Boston. Anaheim was so bad that no one really plays well there. So I don't really take that much into consideration. I've seen people say that this is going to be another Mark Jankowski thing. Don't see that at all. I mean, this player's a lot more talented, I think. And he, I think he was on the ice for 90% of the expected goal share in the first preseason game, according to Danny, at least. But that, that is, I think, what they're banking on for their two replacements now. And if both of them play um, as well as they can, then I would say that the team is just as deep, if not deeper than last year, especially also if they make a trade. Yeah. And my big thing is with the whole replacing McCann, if you get, a, if you get more out of Zucker and you get more out of Kapanen, yeah, that's, that's it right there. Like you, you've already done that and whatever hit Dan Heinen does is house money at that point. That would make sense too. I mean, if you can get Zucker to be uh, one of my bold predictions, I said on the Locked On Penguins podcast, is that he's a 25 goal scorer this year. Yeah, he does that, or he pots 30. I mean, that solves a lot of their problems too. I mean, he this is a player I think is ready to break back out. He said he stunk last year. You don't even have to look at the numbers to say that he stunk. You just watch the games and see that he was overthinking it in so many situations. But um, if he plays as good as I think he can this year. Um, you said it there, that that will help a lot as well. You get 25 goals from him, you get Heinen going at 45, 50 points, and you get McGinn scoring like he did last year to outpace Tanev. Suddenly the team looks a lot more dangerous than I think some people thought going into this year. Yeah, and, you know, I think the biggest thing we haven't touched on yet is the goalie situation, you know. A lot of it's going to come down to goaltending, Um that's going to be something that has to come together down the stretch. And my hot take for the year is, you know, they may not, Ron Hextall may not reward them with trading for a forward, but he may trade for a goaltender at the trade deadline. If they're, if they're stinking it up 100%, they might be even before um, the deadline. They're really banking on Andy Kyoto to turn this around. You know, I've heard nothing but good things about him. You know, Josh yeah. Getzoff was on the podcast yesterday on Wednesday said that he's a completely different goalie coach than Mike Buckley is. He's basically – sounds like he's a perfectionist. Um, he – I've been reading in training camp that when Tristan Jari or Casey Smith do something wrong, he's in their ear about it and making sure that that doesn't happen again. And he's, he, he's wanting them to be a lot better than they were last year. So they're really banking on that this hire is going to turn this around because the way they played last year, that's, that's not going to cut, especially – in the playoffs. And again, like I said, man, if one or both of them are stinking up by the time the trade deadline rolls around, or even by December or January, he may give Dallas a call because they have a lot of goalies down there right now uh, and see if they can pluck one out of there. Um, I'm sure there'll be other situations that pop up with bad teams at that, uh, at that point that could potentially move a goalie. So that'll be one uh, area to keep an eye on. They got to be better in shorthanded situations. I saw our good friend Jason um, said that, you know, Tristan Jari finished dead last and goal save above expected on the PK. I, I know your, your goal is like the main thing on the PK, but even when your penalty kill stinks, 
you still need your goalie at times to bail them out. And he wasn't doing that last year. It was just a dumpster fire of a unit with all five of those skaters um, on the ice. So that it's really going to make or break the team this year. They got through it in the regular season at times. It got them a first place in the East division, which I thought was the toughest division in hockey, but you're going to need to do that again this year, if possible, and continue that level in the playoffs if they have any hope of going on a run here. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to be ready to roll because, you know, the Rangers are going to be dangerous. We don't know what the Flyers are going to be like. Um, we're getting the Hurricanes back in the division who are going to probably be one of the top three teams. It's just – it's very – they're running a slippery slope at this point. And it's like, you know, one, one big move in the right or wrong direction is going to make or break them. Um, and, you know, you made a great point about Dallas because they have four NHL caliber goaltenders right now. And I think they're trying to set it up where Jake Ottinger takes the reins and is like the main goalie. So that leaves Ben Bishop, Anton Hudobin and Braden Holtby all just out on an island together waiting waiting for something to happen. There's some good goalies down there. I mean, Hudobin would be the one I would look at. I mean, Ben Bishop, yeah. you can't say healthy, which is the sad part. And Brighton Holpe, I think, is washed at this point anyway. So if I had to pick one of theirs, I'd say Anton Hudobin would be the one that I would target if they need to do it at the time. Obviously, I think that's Ron Hextall's last resort at this point. He's banking on them being a lot better under Andy Kyoto. But if he needs to do something – Hudobin will be on the top of my list. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I'm not going to be that guy, but it's only logical to say it. You know, if Chicago's in the toilet and they need a goalie, I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route. Yep. And I knew you were going to bring up the flurry thing. I mean, I think they're going to be close to contending this year. I mean, Maybe, I mean, I shouldn't even say contending. I think they should be on the cusp of a playoff spot just because they improved yeah. the team a little bit this offseason, even though I think that Seth Jones contract is disgustingly bad. But they got their captain back. They got Kane back. They got Debrinkit. Um, They have uh, Kirby Doc, who's going to be really good, I think, in this league for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they do struggle a lot of the season – you know, I mean, that, that'll be in the back of a lot of Penguins fans' minds, that's for sure. And just so everyone's aware, his contract is up after this season. So, well, that, 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 there won't be any shortage of conversations once that contract is up. I can't wait for the chaos that ensues whenever Flurry's contract goes up and then Pierre Maguire becomes the GM in Ottawa and buys out Matt Murray. That, that, that I could see that happening for sure. It's a, I, I think it's a pretty much a no doubter unless he completely just flips it this year. Yeah, Matt, I, I'm rooting for him. You know, he got a lot of crap from the fan base, which I didn't really care for, but um, I'm hoping he does. He seemed like he put on 20, 25 pounds. So I'm hoping he has a good year, even though the senators, you know, Eugene Melanie can say all he wants that they're going to contend for a playoff spot. You look at that division, that's not happening. So no chance, no chance. They'll be, they'll be a lottery team for sure. And who knows, they might, they might get lucky and fall ass backwards into Shane, Wright. Yeah. And I don't want to see him there. I'd rather see him go to an actual decent organization. I mean, I think out of all the organizations that are potentially going to be a lottery team, 
Autumn was probably the best. Because <laughs> you don't want him to go to Arizona. You don't want him to go, go to Buffalo. San Jose could be really bad. That, that would be nasty. They actually, I mean, him and Tomas Hurdle, if Hurdle resigns, would be pretty nice. They still got Couture there. Their defense, I know, is so old. But, um, I don't really think they're going to be any good, though. I mean, yeah. Anaheim, yeah, you probably don't want him to go there. Do you want him to go to Detroit? I mean, Jacob Ron is out for four months, so they're going to be a lottery team again, too. Dude, that sucks for him, though, because, like, yeah, he he's probably going to score 35 to 40. He was on a roll, man. I actually yeah. really felt bad for him. Yeah, it's it's a shame for him because I feel like he's been through so much and like he finally got to a point where it looked like he was going to have some semblance of success. And right there, it's just taken away from him in a blink of an eye. Yeah. Just, now, have you been paying attention to anything else around the league, like with preseason stuff or no? Nothing really. I don't, I don't really pay attention to the other games. You just saw, do? Okay. I saw Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle lit up the Kraken the other night, which was kind of funny. <laughs> Did you see Michael Bunting scored a hat trick for the Leafs? I did not see that. Who was that? Was, that? was that against the Habs? This was last night. They were playing. They were playing Ottawa. Oh. He scored three goals, and all three of them were on the power play. Ottawa shouldn't have given them that many power play chances, but that, that's yeah. hilarious. Though. I'm excited. Like, I'm low key excited. Just like watch the Leafs a little bit this year because they. I think they might have figured out that forward depth thing. We'll see. I mean, the Leafs are always the big joke around here, but um, they they are a deep team. I mean, you know, you're probably not going to have a lot of help from Wayne Simmons. I mean, Jason Spezza can still go a little bit. Um, But I like what they have. It's just putting it together. You know, they they made a lot of change. They made some goalie changes. Both those guys, I mean, Jack Campbell is still there, but – Auntie Ronce is a start, right? They signed him. No, they signed Peter Morazic. No, Peter Morazic. Yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, I think Ronce went to um, Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, I mixed them up. Yeah, Morazic. That's why. That's why it happened. You're good. Yeah, it's like it, I make I mix both those up, but yeah, I mean that's right because Ronce and Freddie Anderson went to Carolina, so um, Morazic's there, and that should be interesting. I don't know how that goalie situation is going to go, but um, they have a good team. It's just a matter of getting the results and finally pushing through against some really good teams. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing, you know, and speaking of teams who I think can push through really good teams, I think that the Kings are ready to make that jump. You know, I think it's close. They're, they're, they're right there. I like the Philip denote signing. He's one of the best shutdown centers in hockey. His expected goals are I think around 55, 56% um, defensively nothing really gets past him. He was on that shutdown line. I'm pretty sure with um, Gallagher and um, it was to Gallagher and um, was it Lekkanen? It might have, no, I don't think it was Lekkanen. Um, I don't think it was Kami either. Um, I think it was, I thought Suzuki was on that line, but I'm not sure. Um, but I know he was on the line with Gallagher. They were just disgustingly filthy. Um, I think it was Paul Byron. It might have been. I, I, I think that's probably who it was. But yeah, I think you know they're in a union. Traded for Arvidsson, who probably is going to have a better year than he showed in Nashville. Yeah. I think Drew Downey stinks, but if he has a little more left in the tank, that would be cool. Cal Peterson is a decent goalie. 
Kopitar is still rolling. I mean, he's a bit older, but he can still play. Ride Dustin Brown for as long as he can go. Um, I think Alex – is Alex Ayafalo still there? Or did yeah, he, he signed an extension to stay there. Yeah, so he's a good player. Um, You're going to have Byfield and Turcotte both. If Byfield makes the team, which I think he will uh, yeah. at this point. Um, I, mean, I think one of my bold predictions was that in the – in the – well – what was my board action? I think I had Calgary missing, but Vancouver and LA getting in with Edmonton and Vegas. Okay. I think that's my prediction right now for the Pacific. I don't trust any of those other teams, but the Flames are also like the most average team in the league. And I think the Kings are, they're definitely ready to get going. You know, they've done a nice rebuild. I think Rob Blake has done a nice job selling off his, bad assets for just draft picks and all that. He's done it right. You know, they, they made that change. They got rid of Daryl Sutter. They've gotten the new coach. Um, they, they, they needed to retool and get that fresh wave of talent right as Kopitar and Dowdy are at the end. And then once they retired, all those guys can continue to play. So they got them some help. I don't think they're a contender, but I think they can, they'll, they'll push for a spot this year. If not this year, they'll make it next year. I think. Yeah, you know, and if they don't make it this year, they're still going to have another top 15 pick in a deep draft, which is only going to help them. Rob Blake will nail it anyway, and he can sell off assets for whatever he wants. He's been really good at that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Anything else you want to touch on or thinking about? I I don't think there's anything more I have. Just, you know, excited we got – what we got now? 13 days, 12, 13 days to their start of the season. It's coming up quick, man. October starts tomorrow. can't wait to uh, do this for till April, May, hopefully run until June. I'm excited. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it too. Looking forward to taking that next step and, you know, anything else you big, you got coming up on locked on penguins. I know that you just had an interview with Josh gets off. Um, everybody should go listen to that. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, he's definitely more than ready to fill in for Mike Lang full time. Now it's going to be a lot different. Um, but he, it sounds like he's going to bring his own catchphrases in, you know, it would be, you know, wrong for, you know, to use Mike's stuff, but, um, what a great down to earth person. And I think he's going to kill it on there. Definitely go listen to that. Um, definitely have some preview stuff, I think coming up on the podcast, going to try to squeeze in some more guests before the season. Um, but you can follow the show at LO underscore penguins, wherever you get podcasts and you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Awesome. Hunter. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, all righty, guys. This has been another episode of Four Checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Four Checking TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube and look for us wherever you got, get your podcast from. All right, guys. Thank you.